So, uh, a few years ago, a few years ago, a group of uh, Balabatim approached me. I like the word Balabatim in general. Not a nice word. A few people approached me, and they, uh, they, they asked me if I would be a rub of a certain show that was uh, starting up. So I was young. I have a lot of, you know, a lot of reasons why, I'll say on the mic why they should hire me, but definitely a lot of reasons why I would suspect that they, uh, legitimate why maybe they shouldn't. So one of the reasons I wasn't sure about it, I had moved away. I, in Lakewood, I had done the Alachas and stuff, and Basavachal and Shabbos, and taken some tests. But I was already avid a couple of years, so I wasn't so sure. And I went to a very prominent Rav, who was a good friend of mine from years back. And I approached him and I said, and he was like right away, go do it, go do it. And I said, I, he said, what's holding you back? I said, yeah, the shalas that come up, I'm not so comfortable. He told me, listen, there's about 15 questions you got to know. That's all you got to know. After that, it's all the same. Don't worry about it. You got, you got, I'll show you what's 15, you'll be okay. So I figured it's a friend of mine. So I went to a certain guddle in, in Brooklyn and uh, I told him this, my same concerns. And he told me the same thing. He said, listen, all the shalas are the same. And you get a big one, you call me up, don't worry about it, you'll be okay. Okay. That happened many years ago. And over the years, I've heard that line more and often. And then I just realized that as much as they were right, they were limiting the question and the answer to that question. But the truth is, if you go through any stage in life, many of the questions are always the same. So sometimes I speak in yeshivas, in regular high schools, like they're the regular black hat places, and they call me in to speak to, let's say, 10th, 11th, Last week was an 11th grade class. The first time I did it, I was very nervous. Well, I don't know, they're going to blindside me. They, I, they don't give me prepared questions. It's a, I get to speak for 10 minutes, and everyone raises their hand and asks questions. I don't know if I'm good enough for that. And then I started realizing it's the same few questions. What's wrong with wearing a blue shirt? Uh, what's wrong with playing ball? Goyesha music. It's the same. After a while, it's the same. Then I, now, I, I, now I'm uh, in a modern Orthodox high school. And uh, I realized the same thing occurs. You get, you get a list of the same questions, same questions. Not the same questions as the black hat guys. The, the blue shirts and the music is not what they ask. They usually start every question, Rabbi, what's worse, A or B? I say, either way, it's bad. When you start a question, what's worse, not a good sign. A few of them told me they're going to watch this later. They wanted a shout out. I'm sure they're all laughing their heads on, knowing about these. Uh, the, you, Rabbi, if you weren't born a Jew, would you become Jewish? Right? The, the, Rabbi, right now at this age, could I beat you in a one-on-one? -on -one? That's a classic. This week is a big one. All the seniors, which college should I go to? That's a, that's a real tough one. That's a life decision. And then most years, I was just saying, I go to Poland with the seniors. We, we take a, a group of seniors over to Poland, to, to the camps and the quorum. And there, it's the same thing. On the trip, there's always several students. Who, this year, one of the students always had a good line. Rabbi, we're flipping a coin. It's either a dead rabbi or a concentration camp. Which one are we getting on to next? We're going on the bus. Which one's next? Or rabbi. You did this trip so many times, what's the difference between them? It's all the same stupidity after a while. Yeah. After a while, the questions become repetitive. and You start realizing, I'm sure lawyers and doctors get the same questions after a while. That's the way life is. Everyone's, everyone thinks they came up with an original question. So uh, we're going to tie this in now of a question that uh, one of my students always asks me. It goes always in order, actually. First they ask, are Jews racist? That's a big one. Today's younger generation doesn't understand racism. I always tell them, listen, your grandparents were the same way. Your European grandparents hated everybody. Don't worry about it. And then the second question, which we'll speak about tonight, it's a teaser. I was going to put it onto the sign. And my, my wife, she's probably going to listen. She, she knows I couldn't do it. So the second question that's asked in my class a lot by a lot of students always, 
it's like half sarcastic, but it's, I, I feed them well. They say, Rabbi, do you always have to treat your wife well? I say, of course not. And I say, you know, you don't want to give an absolute answer. Of course, yeah. I said, no, of course not. There are times you're not supposed to treat her well. And they always say, give me, come on, you have some crazy case. Give me the case. I said, think it over a little bit. So a lot of times when they'll ask me wild questions expecting one answer, I'll give them that's not so clear. So tonight, we're going to come up with a situation. Now you'll understand my wife did not allow it to be on the mic. We're going to come up with a situation tonight where we believe we are not supposed to treat our wives well. Tonight, when you go home, and your wife tells you, what did you do? You say, yeah, that guy, he speaks wild. Sometimes the camera doesn't work for his sake. Sometimes it's on film. He spoke about when I'm not supposed to treat a wife well. That's a, that's a good teaser. Good teaser, so that's what we're going to go through tonight. So, to start out, we're going to, the reason why we're doing this class now is not only because the kids asked me this question last week three times and wanted a shout-out, because it's coming up relevant to the Yom Tov So, there are a few questions on Megillus Rus. Again, the standard questions that are always asked. Why is it called Megillus Rus? It's a female, and we have Esther, but, but why Megillus Rus? Why, is it, why was she called Rus? Why do we lay Rus on Shavuos? That's several answers you can come up with. We're going to take a question before all of that, that the Medrash asks. That's, that should be a more important question. What is the point of them writing Megillus Rus? What's the point of the story? Why did Shmuel Anavi write over this whole story? So the Medrash asks this question. The Medrash is a better question than I just said. Why do we write over the story of Rus? We learn no halachas in the story of Rus. I'm not so sure if that's true, but that's what the Medrash asks the question. We learn no halachas in the story of Rus, so what is the point? So the Medrash gives different answers. And one answer which we'll discuss tonight is it to tell you the reward that someone gets for treating someone well. That's a vague answer. The reward that A gets for treating B well is the whole point of the story of Rus, and eventually you'll get to, but maybe the whole point of us reading it on Shavuos. So who treated who well? Medrash is a little vague on that. So the easy answer most people learn is that Rus treated Nami well, or Nami treated Rus well. Yeah, that makes sense. So you read the story. The Alkabats, who has a parish on Rus, he says no. Who treated who well? Boaz treated Rus well. For the basics of the story, not for anyone here, but for a shout out for my students, because they might not know the basics, because I'm not that good a teacher and I never taught it to them, is that there's a woman, Nami, and her husband, Elimelech, and they leave Eretz Yisrael, they travel to Moab. While in Moab, the husband and the two sons pass away, but the two sons have gotten married. So now you have the three males are, are dead. We're about six psukim into Rus. Three male figures are, are already passed away. And now there's a mother-in-law with two ex-daughter-in-laws. I don't know what you call it, what they passed away. Two daughter-in-laws. And they start heading back to proper Israel. And on the way back, one leaves and one continues. Rus. Rus heads there to show with Nami. She reaches at the end of Parak Aleph. And now they're there. And then throughout the rest of the story, Rus then goes and marries Boaz, who was a relative of hers. How long did Boaz's marriage last to Rus? According to some Adrashim, a few hours. He died that night. But there was a great debate about the marriage of Boaz, which is more in the fourth parak of Rus. But just for basic knowledge was, should Rus marry Boaz? Or should Rus be allowed to marry Boaz? And Boaz had this question. Boaz was not supposed to marry Rus first. There was someone else first. Nameless, Pliny Almoni. Pliny Almoni was supposed to marry Rus. So Boaz said, are you going to marry her or not? He says, no, not going to marry her. Why not? So this is a debate that went on for several hundred years. One of the great debates in Jewish history. The Torah says like this. Kiseitzei, Perech of Gimel. Lo yovoi Amoni ma'avi b'kal Hashem. Oskol says, Amonite or Mayabite shall not enter the congregation of Hashem. 
They shall not enter the congregation of Hashem. Shall not enter is a odd phrase, because that means it would sound like we don't let them convert. But that's not true. The Pasuk before says, Lo Yovei Mamzer, Bekahal Hashem. That's right before that. That's Pasuk Gimel. Lo Yovei Mamzer, a Mamzer is in Kahal Hashem. He's already a Jew. So the word Lo Yovei means you can't get married. Most people can't marry a Mamzer. So the next phrase, Lo Yovei Amoyni Moav Bekahal Hashem, a person from Amon Amoyov cannot, when it says enter the congregation, doesn't mean convert. It means he cannot get married to a Jewish person. A Jew and a, and a converted Amon Amoyev, every other way they're Jewish. They get an Aliyah on Shabbos, they have to keep Shabbos, they get the light Menorah, everything they do, there's one thing they can't do. Most normal, regular Jewish people cannot marry them. Amon Amoyev. What's the reason why? That sounds very extreme situation. So the Torah gives us an explanation. The Olam Pashki says, Torah says, why? Because of the fact that they did not greet you with bread and water on the road when you were leaving Egypt. And because they hired Bilaam against you to curse the Jews. Amon and Amoyev did two terrible things. Either, or both, when the Jews were on the road and they needed food, they went to them and they said no. Or they went and hired Bilaam to curse the Jews. Because of that, they cannot get married into Judaism. You can convert, but we're not going to marry you. You're considered outside normal people and marriage-wise, and you're outside. The debate became, what about the women of Amon and Amoyev? Are they allowed to marry or not? The reasons given might be pointed to the men. Women are not supposed to go out and greet people. Women don't hire Bilaam. Bilaam was hired by the male population. So it could be that since the Torah spe specified the reason, it meant men, not women. Men didn't hire. Men hired. Men didn't greet. Therefore, men can't marry. A female convert of Amun can marry. But that's a lumbus. That's a chap. Is that true or not? That became a great debate. Great debate means... Shmuel Anavi wasn't sure about it, possibly. And it went on and on until the time of David HaMelech. And the time of David HaMelech, there was a great debate, because David wanted to, even the time of Boaz, when Boaz came to marry Rus, that's four generations before David. Should Boaz marry Rus? The other person said, well, I can't marry Rus. The, 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 the prohibition applies equally men and women. Rus is a Moabite. I'm not going to marry her. And Boaz said, no, 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 there's a ruling. Men are not allowed. Women are allowed. Very gutsy call. Think of what Boaz pulled off. They made a decision that the females can't convert. Most of Klai Yisrael, I don't know about most, but many people in Klai Yisrael, the great leaders said, the women cannot marry the men. Women of Amun Amoyev should not be allowed to marry the men of the Jews. Boaz went against the, the popular theory. He said, no, not only in theory, but I'm going to marry her. I'm going to show everyone how it's legal. And guess what? He died that night. What do you think the, the websites were uh, tumbling about, the comments on the websites? You could imagine what was going on if you scroll down what people were saying. I don't even want to say it. Boaz got away. You can't say such words. But clearly, if Boaz passed away the night he married her, clear that Boaz might have made a mistake. And he ruled wrong. And this went on and then another three, four generations. And now it's David's turn to become king. And they're about to anoint David as a king. And the naysayers step forward. They say, wait a second, wait a second. David can't be king. He has a genetic flaw. His great-grandmother was from Moab. And we're not sure if she was allowed to marry that genetic flaw gets passed down. Therefore, dub it out. He can't be king. They weren't sure. What were they going to do? So they sent a letter to Shmuel Anavi. Here's a trivial pursuit question. What was the first responsa in Jewish history? According to the Bach, the first responsa was Megillus Rus. They sent a letter to Shmuel Anavi, and they said, what do we do here? Is David allowed to be king? Are women allowed to be married from Mama and Amoyev? 
And Shmuel says, I'm going to give you an answer. And the answer began by The whole Megillus Rus is Shmuel Anabi's answer proving that women from these nations can marry. Now again, we said before, the Medrash, that wasn't the point. The Medrash says that the point was to prove when someone is nice to someone, you get repaid kindly. Rus was nice to Naomi, she has a grandson called Dabra Melech. Boaz was nice to Rus, he has a grandson called Dabra Melech. Dabra Melech, grandfather of Mashiach. The ultimate result is the niceness so far. So, so far, just recapping, because we're making up a lost time here, we have a great debate. If the women of these nations were allowed to be married to the men of our nation, of the Jewish nation, that was the debate for many generations. And it came out, according to Boaz and according to Dabra Melech, which is what we rule like, that the women are allowed to marry the men. And the men cannot marry the women. So if a guy comes over to you and he says, I'm from the nation of Ammon, can I convert? Yes, but guess what? No one's going to marry you. Not no one, but many people will not marry you. A female comes forward and says, what about me? Can I convert? Certainly you could convert. Will people marry me? Absolutely, give a big nod. Okay, that was a bad joke. But that was it. You could, you could definitely get married. Not a problem. This is all uh, basic Gemara. I haven't said anything. Chiddush, even though I said it quickly. Now goes, but we, I, I left a teaser out. There's a second commandment very relevant to Amon Umayyav. So we said the first one. The first one says, Lo yovoy Amon Umayyav An Amon Umayyav shall not enter the congregation of Hashem. That's a prohibition relevant to marriage. Okay. Then it says the reasons I said before. We're going to go two more psukim forward. Now we're on Pasuk Zion. That was Pasuk Dalit. Now on Pasuk Zion. Pasuk Zion adds on another one of the 613 commandments. 613 commandments. Here it says in Hebrew, You shall not seek peace with them or help their welfare all the days forever. There's a second commandment relevant to Amon Amoyev. Not only are we not allowed to marry them, we're not allowed to seek peace with them. But that's a very, very vague terminology. Do not seek peace with them. I don't know what that means. What does do not seek peace with them actually imply? So we'll go with the Chinuch. Chinuch who explains the 613 commandments in his mitzvah says like this Shenim no we are prevented Milahashlim from making peace in Amon Amoyev, the two nations Amon Amoyev Adoylam forever okay, just quote the Pasuk this is the Inyan very crucial words about the Chinuch right now Kishenotzer al Hamadinois when normally we have a war and we attack another nation Shenishlam Mehem Hashalom Kaidim we don't go to war right away. We always try to sign a peace treaty. Do you want peace? When we go to war against them, we do not send over a peace overture beforehand. We go straight to war. Every other nation, we send a letter. You want to be peace? Peace means under our terms. Under our terms, you'll be slaves, you'll be workers, you'll pay taxes. Yes, we'll give you an You don't want to, we'll have a fight. We don't even give you that. We're coming after you. We're going to have a fight with you. That's what the Chinuch understands. Do not have peace means, in a, as a wartime situation, do not make peace. In this room, it doesn't happen. We don't have a, an, an issue with this. Now, he has a very smart line, the Chinuch. The Chinuch says, who is responsible for this mitzvah? And the Chinuch, by the way, every mitzvah he writes, who's responsible? Men, adults, women. He'll do the time-wise. During the Beis HaMikdash, outside of Eretz Yisrael, he always questions, when does the obligation apply? He has a great line here. The Isser this prohibition... Noyag b'scharim, it's relevant to male Jews. Shehem b'nei mechama, they're obligated in war. In Jewish law, the women are not on the battlefield. If the women are not on the battlefield, and the women are not generals in the army, 
then the obligation not to make peace with another nation doesn't apply to them. That's what the Chinuch says. That since it's a wartime obligation, as a wartime obligation, it only applies to the men. If we stop here, we have a very interesting Chinuch. How do you interpret an open Pasuk? Do not seek their peace. It's a wartime issue. Whenever that happens, whenever you're about to go to war, it might never happen. Not every commandment always, Ben Sarimar, it doesn't have to happen. When it happens, don't seek peace. Following so far, not too fast. So the Mechaz Chinuch, it's what we're going to discuss tonight, has a very interesting question. He says, first of all, I don't know where the Chinuch came up with this idea, only during wartime. That's not what the puzzle means. Means don't be peaceful with them. Don't be nice. And he brings proof. We're not going to go through the proofs right now from David Amalek, from other places. A medrash that says it always applies. He quotes the Uraim. The Uraim says, in the tar- we don't have a Targum here. Targum says also, never be nice to them. Not, does not mention the concept of war. That means, of course, during war we're not nice to them. Even after war we're not nice to them. We're not nice to the people of Amanamayev. That's what the command Don't be nice to Amanamayev. So his first thing is, he says, don't limit it to war, extend it outside of war. And there's going to be a major difference in practicality if it's limited to war or extended outwardly. First of all, if you're talking about war, it's a very strange idea. Let's read the Pesukim again. Every word's important. That's where we started. That means do not marry an Amoyni Umayavi. Male, female, not for the second. Do not marry someone from the tribe of Amoyav. Guess what? Are we talking about marrying a guy from Amun Amoyev? No. There's a separate halacha that says don't marry a guy. Amun Amoyev means a convert from Amun Amoyev. Why we call them Amun Amoyev is because we have to identify which converts. But clearly, the, if we're saying don't marry them, it's referring specifically to an Amun Amoyev convert. A convert means a Jewish person. Don't marry them. But they are Jewish. So two come later when it says don't be peace with them, the Mechazchina says, wait a second. The them must be must be the Jews. The Jews who converted to Amun If you're going to limit it to a wartime situation, then we're talking about fighting a non-Jewish nation. You're about to go to war against Amun non-Jewish nation. Don't give them an option of peace. You're going to fight against Goyim, Palestinians, Amalek, Germans, French. Give them a chance. You're going to fight Amun Don't give them a chance. That's going Goyim. But if you're going to compare it to right beforehand, it's the same phrase, two Pesukim earlier, don't marry Amun means a Jew who came from Amun then don't do peace with Amun must be, don't be nice to an Amun who converted from Amun So the Mechazchinuch says, wait a second, I am not only not limiting this to wartime, because nowhere does it say wartime, but I have a proof. The Pasuk told Amun meaning a Jew from Amun not a Goy of Amun a Jew of Amun Therefore, it's not a wartime thing. Therefore, the Mechazchinuch says, not only am I saying it's not a wartime thing, I'm going to add on. Jewish women are obligated. If it's a wartime thing, women don't join the army. Jewish women are not on the battlefield. So Jewish women don't have to get involved. But if it's a thing when a, someone converts from Amun Amoyev, don't be nice to them. That's everybody. That's 24 hours a day. Someone comes out, I'm from Amun Amoyev. Do not be nice to them. Has to be. Don't be nice means a, a Jew from Amun Amoyev. Mechasenach says it openly. It must be this way. A Jew from Amun Amoyev, don't be nice to. So we have Machlaikas. Following, you have a question. Oh, so the, we have a machlokes of how we read the second pasuk. Does it mean limited to war? Therefore, a guy. Therefore, not Jewish women are involved. Or does it mean post they converted all the time? Therefore, Jewish women are involved. So it fits in perfectly if you line them up. That's what, you have an argument, but that's going to line up. 
either a guy limited to wartime, Jewish men are involved only, or post-war, all the time, post-conversion, even a Jew, even Jewish women now can't be nice to a non, to convert to Maman Amoyev. The Mechazkanach takes it a step further. He says, wait a second. What about the women of Amon are, are we allowed to be nice to them? Two psukim earlier, when we said, converts from Amon don't marry, we said that from Dabar HaMelech and from Bayaz, it was ruled, don't marry the men. But the women are allowed to be married. The women of Amon are allowed to marry any Jew. If a woman walks in, you can marry her. Amon it's limited to the men. What about the next one? Is that limited to the men or not? Very big difference. Someone, according to the Mechaz even converts of Amon you don't have to be nice to. So now someone comes forward and says, I'm from Amon If you're a man, every Jew is going to be against you. Jewish men will be bad to you. Jewish women will be bad to you. You'll have a real bad life. If you're a female, I don't know. Depends on what we did five minutes ago. Are women included? When we say an Amon convert, are women included? We say when it comes to marriage, they're not included. Maybe this, they're not included. So the Mechaz has a wild idea. He says like this. The order of the Pesukim. Unbelievable. He's making a ruling. He says he can't make a ruling, but he's, theoretically, this is what it has to be. First Pasuk says again, Do not marry Amon of converts. We ourselves established, that's male converts. Women are allowed. Why men, not women? Next Pasuk says, because they did not give you bread, and they hired Bilaam. Since they did not give you bread means men didn't give you bread. Since they hired Bilaam means men hired Bilaam. Only the first Pasuk means men, not women. Women are therefore permitted to marry any Jewish guy. She can marry a nice Jewish doctor. Not a problem. Then what's the next Pasuk? The next Pasuk says, do not be nice to them. Do not be nice to them. Okay, we're not sure now. Is that men or women? So the Melchizedek has a bomb question. Why didn't it put the two prohibitions together and quote the reason afterward? If you're writing a Torah... This is how you would do it. Don't marry converts of Amon Don't be nice to converts of Amon Why are we so mean to these people? They're converts. I'll tell you why. Because they didn't give us bread, and they, didn't, and they hired Bilaam. I would say, what does that mean? That means men, not women. Because bread and, and hiring Bilaam is, is a male problem. Females didn't have a problem with that. But the Torah doesn't do that. The Torah says like this. Don't marry people, which we'll say means men, from Amon why not? They didn't give you bread, and they hired Bilaam. They're bad people, they're men. Then it says, don't be nice to them. So Mechazchina says, wait a second. If you're only putting the second prohibition after the reason, then clearly that reason is not going to help the women. The reason only helps exclude the women from the first prohibition. Because it says, prohibition one, don't marry. Gives you a reason that women are excluded. And then says, don't be nice. It shouldn't have done that way. Should have said, don't marry, don't be nice. Give the reason that means only men. So Mechazchina says, I have a good idea that means... That means the women you can't be nice to either. Because there's no exclusion by the women. By, by a marriage, it gives a, a prohibition, then gives an exclusion. By the next prohibition, when it says, don't be nice, that's written afterward. It's like it would be written 20 pages later. Therefore, he says, it must be women as well. So the Mechazchenach comes out with a tremendous, he's moving the thing. The Chinuch limited it to non-Jewish Amunamayev, limited to wartime, and limited to Jewish men starting up with them. The Milchah's going to come along and say, no, 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 no. It's after war. It means after they convert. Therefore, Jewish women are obligated. And guess what? It applies to the Ammoni women as well. The Moyev and Ammoni women who come forward are allowed to get married to us. But guess what? We're not going to be nice to them. So it comes like this. A family comes forward to convert. 
They come over to the bed and they say, listen, we're a family, we found religion, we found God, we want to become Jewish. So first we tell them, don't become Jewish. That's the laws of Gairus. Then we say, you know what, you can become Jewish. By the way, how are you going to treat me? We have 36 commandments to treat the Jews well, to treat the converts well. Come on, Bab Matiyah, treat the converts well. But I got bad news. That applies to 99% of the converts, not you guys. So the guy says, really? How bad is it going to be? You could convert, but no one's going to marry you. And we're not going to be that nice to you. So the female steps up, what about me? Oh, you're in a much better position. You could convert, we'll marry you, but we're not going to be nice to you. So it comes out that a husband, who for some reason is allowed to marry a female from Amin Amoyev, cannot be nice to her. Open verse in the Torah. Every time a husband has to treat his wife well? Absolutely not. Here's a guy who married a female from Amin Amoyev. He might not be allowed to biblically. Might be a prohibition of the Torah. You are not allowed to treat your wife well. Because the Torah, when it came to being nice, didn't say, be ni- be, don't be nice to the men, be nice to the women. Don't be nice to the men. I got a lot of people smiling here. I'm getting very nervous. If any of you think you married someone Amin Amoyev, don't quote me tonight at all. Got a lot of smiles back here. A guy's getting very excited here. But it comes out that it seems, Mechazkenach seems to say it, that you do not have to be nice to the, men, to the women of Amin You cannot be nice to them. Certainly if you're not married to them. But even if you're married to them, why are you allowed to be nice to them? But now we got a problem. The Klichemda asked this question. How do we start tonight's class? We have the Medjur saying that the reward, Akabat's explaining the Medjur saying, what's the beauty of Megillus Rus? That Boaz was so nice to Rus. So the Klichemda quotes to Mechazkenach. He says, listen, Rabbi Mechazkenach, that's a great theory. I love the logic. I love the, how you've set it up beautifully. It went well. I got one problem. Yeah, you could tell me Boaz broke a biblical law and he broke a biblical law and we're praising him? We're praising him. We wrote the whole Megillah for that according to this. We're writing a Megillah to tell us that Boaz was a sinner. I don't want such words out of my mouth. Could it be that's what we're doing? Can it say? So the Klichemda says, I don't know what to do. I, I, I got to like the logic of what he's saying. Klichemda writes, the logic of the Megillah is going to make perfect sense. What am I going to do? So he says, I don't know what, but I'm going to tell you the facts. The facts are one of the two additions of the Megillah cannot apply. So what, again, let's get this straight. The original thing was only wartime, therefore non-converts, goyim, and limited to the men, that's not relevant for this conversation. Limited to the Jewish men, that's not relevant. So again, it's going to be, relevant to us is going to be non-Jews, limited to war, and therefore only to the men. And the Mechazina said, no, I'm applying it after they convert, always, and I'm applying it to women. He says, no, one of the two can't work. Either once they convert, there's no more Isser, or women are not included in the Yisra because Boyev married her. It can't be that the female converts from Amin Amoyev are still converted Jews and you can marry them and you can treat them badly. He says, I, I, I know I don't have a logic to prove you wrong, but I, I have better than a logic. I have Boaz. I don't need more than logic when I have a Boaz in front of me. Now, Rav Perlau, the Klichemda doesn't quote this, Perlau is a little later, Rav Perlau says, he loves the logic of the Mechachinah, but he found the hole in the theory that can make the Mechachinah, even though it sounds very good, he says he has a hole in the theory. So I, I tricked you a little bit before, I have to apologize, because I, I misread a Pusik potentially. So I said like this, I'm quoting the Mechachinah, I think he misled me, but I think, I think that's how it went. The first Pusik said, Do not let an Amon Amoyah person come to Kal Hashem, which we explained means don't marry into Kal Hashem, which we explained meant only to men. The Mechazkinach said, since later on, it says again, the same people, it says, don't be nice to them. I'm assuming that there's a break, 
and therefore it's not exactly, it's going to be the same people meaning post-conversion. The same way it says Amonimavi in the beginning meant post-conversion, can't marry a guy. We said it before, you can't marry. Um, the first pasuk loyavi amoni maavi does not mean amoni maavi person. It means amoni maavi convert. So leisidur shulishloimam. Don't be nice. It means a convert. Even someone who converts to Judaism, don't be nice to them. So Rav Perla says a gavaldic point. I, I, it's amazing. I, I don't know if it, I have to know diktuk well enough. So this it doesn't say in the second pasuk what I said. It said. It's, it seems to say. Let's go slowly. We need a balkari here. Lo, the first one is loyavi amoni umayavi bekalashem. Amoni maavi of converts. Cannot marry. The second one says, doesn't say, don't be nice to an Amon It says, In English it works better. You shall not seek their peace. Don't be nice to them. It doesn't say, don't be nice to Amon which we can interpret, Amon means a convert. Don't be nice to them. So the Prolah says, wait a second. Them is a pronoun which apply whoever them. It must be applying to the guys we spoke about two psukim ago. So two psukim ago when it says, don't be marry someone from Amon and in between we interpreted the two psukim meant it means don't marry a male because they didn't hire they hired Bilam and they didn't give you bread so if you have to read the words it's very hard if I came to right now before this class I said, what does the word Amoni mean? because Amoni means a guy from Amon no it means a Jew male who converted because a female is allowed to get married a Jewish male who converted can't marry so when it says don't be nice to them if Perla says, them's got to be the same people. I don't know who them is. Them's got to be, look back, who's the last guy we quoted? The last guy we quoted was the Amunamoy of male. So when it says, don't be nice, it means the Amunamoy of male. But we don't have to worry about marital problems, because they can't get married anyway. If an Amunamoy guy converts, as we said before, he says, can I get married? No. We don't let you, get, well, you could convert, but you can't marry anybody. Can my wife treat me well? You don't have a wife. We don't have to worry about you. But on reverse, when a female convert comes forward and says, what about me? So we tell her, yeah, you could convert. Can I get married? Yeah, the pastor doesn't talk about marriage by you. Don't hire, you didn't hire Bilam. You did not give us bread. Of course, you're not included. We can, you can marry. What about treating me nicely? It says, don't treat them nicely. You know who? Your brother, your father. The male converts we don't treat nicely. But the female converts we're allowed to treat nicely. Of course, we're allowed to treat them nicely. Because the them applies back to the original noun that it says, which is Amenemoyev. So we have now, now you have to know what you're going to tell your wife tonight. On one hand, we have the Mechazchana clearly saying, and I would say, but not on camera, that there are other situations where the Jewish wife, you don't have to treat her well, but that's not, for, uh, not to be on tape. Can't do that. Not in this class. But, uh, but certainly the Mechazchana seems to say, more than seems to say, I mean, he says it. He says that a, a female convert from Amun Moyov is included in the prohibition, don't be nice to them. You're allowed to marry them, you can't be nice to them. Other people say that can't be. Because Boaz did it. So what are they going to answer? They're either going to answer that all converts are allowed to be nice to, male and female, or no. Really, males, you don't have to be nice to. But the women are not included in the whole thing altogether. The women don't include this. Either the converts of Amun are not included or the women are not. And it's going to be based on how you're going to read the them, because the second passage doesn't say Amun The second passage says them. Everyone's with me. Okay. I think we're going to conclude it because we started a little late and I see some people getting nervous. But, but the idea is, just to end off on, you can't end off on, on beat your wife up. I would like to, but, but my wife might watch this video. So we're going to end on just like this. What's the reason why we do lay this on Shavuos? That's a famous question. Why do we lay Megillus Rus on Shavuos? And there are many answers. Rus converted, so we convert. Rus represented Ahavah Satyra. We have Ahavah Satyra. 
So I'm going to tell you one idea, which ties into why do we stay up all night on Shavuos? So there's an interesting thing. The Medrash says like this. The first Medrash and The Medrash says, it's a quote on the Gemara, there are 10 hungers that are going to be throughout history. From the beginning of time of Adam, Avram had one, right? Yaakov had one. From the beginning of time of history, there are going to be 10 hungers across the globe. The last hunger is not going to be a hunger of food. The last hunger is going to be a hunger for knowledge of Tyra. Knowledge of Tyra, there'll be a limited amount of knowledge of Tyra. So Gemara and the Magic says it there. So there's a famous Panavacharov. The Panavacharov asked, what does a hunger mean? A hunger means there's a supply and demand. It means there's more people want something and there isn't enough supply. So what are you telling me? You're going to reach a time in Klyasol where everyone's dying to learn Tyra. That doesn't sound so bad. That sounds pretty good. So the Panavacharov says, no. What it means is, when it comes to a hunger, you're excited about a potato peel. You'll eat a potato peel. You're in a hunger. But the idea is, we'll reach a time in Judaism when people will be excited about just a brekkel of Tyre. They're not, look, they want to learn, but they'll, they'll take this much. They don't really want to learn. They want this much of Tyre. So it could be very good. The Medrash begins that, that there was a hunger. That's why Elimelech and Nami left Eretz That was one of the ten hungers. The Medrash will be ten hungers. The reason we read it on Shavuos is to tell you about the ten hungers. And about the ten hungers means that before Mashiach comes, there'll be a hunger for knowledge. So what we do as Jews today, we tell Hashem, listen, we're not into that hunger. We're not going to be satisfied with this much Torah. We're going to work and work as much as we can. How do we show we're going to work as much as can? On Shavuos night, we stay up the whole night. We're not satisfied with just one Pasuk Chumash. We want more than that. We want more. We want more. And by that, we show Hashem that we don't want that hunger. We don't want to reach a stage where there's going to be a rov, with an ayin, reish ayin vav. We don't want a rov that's going to attack Klai And we hope that Bekarov will have Mashiach and David HaMelech's grandson will reveal himself before Shavuos. Then we'll get to stay up the right way. And I uh, wish you all very well. Thank you.